Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week, we are joined by our former lead pastor, Jackson Crum. We are so excited that he is transitioning to our global team, and right now he serves as one of our teaching pastors for the Central Region. Yeah, and with him, we get to talk about Romans 4, 1 through 12, get to fill in some of the gaps in Paul's story, the most prominent writer in the New Testament, and then talk about some different aspects of justification as well. Let's dive in. I'm Hillary Murphy. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is the Pastor's Cut with Jackson Crum. Hi, Jackson. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Have you recovered from your loss yesterday with the Eagles? <laughs> they look so bad, Hillary. But hey, next Sunday night. No. Next Sunday night, they will get revenge. No, I think the Seahawks will once again <laughs> show them how to play some football. Yeah. Seahawks are good this year. They are. Russell Wilson, he's the best. So we've been asking all of our guests this season what their favorite Chicago restaurant is. You know, I don't have a favorite restaurant, but I have a favorite type of restaurant. Ooh. I love Mexican food, mm-hmm. and I, I like little hole-in-the-wall Mexican food. I have one around—I live in Avondale. Right around the corner from me is this little hole-in-the-wall that I love. And one of the things I love about it is many times I go in, and I'm the only Caucasian there. <laughs> you know, yeah. that it, uh, I live in a uh, Latino neighborhood, and I love the fact my neighborhood shows up, mm-hmm. and they like it. But mm. I love Mexican food. Yeah, that's cool. So, Jackson, you preached at Near North and Lincoln Park this past weekend. Could you give us a quick recap of your sermon? Yeah. Two big pieces. Uh, The two big pieces were that Paul talks about Abraham, and if anyone had a reason to boast, as he referred back to chapter 3, verse 27, it would have been Abraham. Abraham could have boasted about his spirituality, his righteousness, but not before God. And so that it Righteousness even had to be imparted to Abraham, who was the, mm-hmm. the starter of Israel and the start of the Jewish faith. And then the second piece to it was David, that David also uh, was justified or he was considered righteous, but it was different because it was in the midst of his life, not at the front of his spiritual journey, but toward the back end of his spiritual journey. Mm-hmm because of some uh, outrageous sin in which he committed. And the big point, frankly, for that was that justification not only rescues us from the judgment of God, Mm -hmm. but it also then protects us throughout our journey. We don't lose it in the worst of our moments. Yeah. So what got cut this week? A couple things got cut. Man, I had these two really cool ways to look at justification that I needed to cut, uh, called Mm -hmm. forensic and synthetic justification. And forensic justification is the concept of a legal declaration that we have been legally declared righteous before God. We have been declared righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. And synthetic justification is really literally meaning two things added together. What's been added to us is Christ has been added to us that gives us that righteousness before God. Mm-hmm. that we bring nothing to the table. And then we talked about, I did talk about analytic justification, which is I make myself righteous, which we would say is absolutely not correct. There's nothing I can do to make myself righteous. The other big thing I had to skip were verses uh, uh, 9 through 12, which really talked about the idea of circumcision, that if circumcision is the mark of righteousness, if cir- you have to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Christ, then what do you do with Abraham, who was considered righteous before he ever got circumcised? Mm-hmm. In fact, I think like 13 mm-hmm. years passed before he is circumcised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that can't be the mark. It is what God does for us, that circumcision becomes the mark that we have been just for Abraham, that he was justified. So with these three different types of justification, what is the root from them and where do they first come from? 
Yeah, uh, it's it's fun to read because people are constantly, because it is so significant for us, Hillary, because it is so crucial to our faith. I mean, this is really the centerpiece of Christianity. It's what distinguishes Christianity from every other world religion is justification by faith, what God does for us, us not earning God's favor, but God granting us favor in spite of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That uh, that people then over the years have been thinking about how do we explain this? You know, how, how do we give clarity t- to this? Mm-hmm. And so forensic and synthetic, uh, we talked about two weeks ago from Martin Luther's point of view, mm-hmm. all these are just ways that people have tried to take this and break this down to make it easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, so I, I, well, speaking of that, of taking it and breaking it down, all this kind of terminology coming from that work, um, I don't know if you shared this on Sunday, but on Saturday night, you talked about Paul's own background and his own kind of wrestling with this and coming to understand this, that 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 kind of wrestling was a process he went through. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, I, it, it hit me this week when, when, it, when it talked about our, our forefather. You know, it hit me mm-hmm. that Paul is including himself. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about the first several chapters of Romans. Paul is really hard on the Jewish folks. He's really mm-hmm. hard on religious people. And so, you know, you back up and go, why? Well, because that was him. That was his position. You know, he was, man, he was literally on his way to persecute, to, to, to um, arrest a number of people up in Damascus who were Jews who were worshiping with Gentiles who had not become kosher, who had not converted, become proselytes, who were not circumcised. And he was going up there, man. He was going to make his point mm-hmm. when Jesus reveals himself, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes he, is, uh, he goes down to Arabia, which I believe was probably Petra, because that was the what was called Arabia at the time, and Petra was the capital. And it also, from mm-hmm. church history we know, had a mixed church, meaning it had Jew and Gentile, mm-hmm. uncircumcised Gentile worshiping together. Mm-hmm. For three years, he's reading now the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, but now he's reading it through this grid of Jesus as the Messiah, Mm -hmm. in that he did nothing. You know, Paul himself in his own experience going, you know what, I did nothing to get this. God God graciously knocks me off my horse, and Jesus graciously reveals himself to me. I didn't earn this. Mm -hmm. I didn't deserve this. And now all of a sudden, he takes his theology and turns it upside down. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to make sure others who are coming from the same background that they get this. And I find, isn't that true? When when I have one position and I'm converted to a new position, I can I can mm-hmm. become militant about it <laughs> yeah. because mm-hmm. it's like, why didn't anybody tell me this before? Yeah. yeah, I was so blind to it. And so I think Paul is so concerned about the Jewish folks in in the Rome in Rome the church in Rome that he wanted yeah. to make sure they got it because of his own experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then even he even had like fourteen years after that time in Petra, right? Preaching in Tarsus and kind of working through this. That's right. Three years in, in Arabia. He went up to Jerusalem for a few days, and he goes up to Syria, what we know Antioch and mm-hmm. Syria, and then he goes home to Tarsus. Yeah. And we don't know what happens, but you can imagine he's preaching. He's I mean, if we we know about Paul and, and mm-hmm. being true to who Paul is, he's preaching, he's teaching, and he's working this out. Right? Yeah. People are asking questions of him. What does this mean? And so he's. He's kind of, if I can say it this way, perfecting his theology, which we all do, right? I know a lot Mm -hmm. more today than I knew 20 years ago. I understand Mm -hmm. things better today than I did 20 years ago, and I will again in 20 years if the Lord gives me 20 more years. Mm -hmm. And and I think you see that with Paul. So by the time he begins his first missionary journey, a lot of this stuff has been worked out. But even, if I can, even from his writings— from Galatians probably being being one of his first books, or First Thessalonians being near the, his first book, 
to one of his last books, we can even watch his theology continue to deepen and grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty sweet just seeing that, you know, like significant portion of the New Testament was written by him mm-hmm. and through you know, God used his own um, thinking and in, in inspiring these texts, right? Bringing them about for the benefit of the church for the past 2000 years. And to see that behind that is there's, there's decades long, like the, he spent decades working through this stuff before these writings came into being. You know, even though Jesus appeared to him and he had a very significant conversion, Mm -hmm. he still was human and he still had to think this through and process this and wrestle with it and Mm -hmm. be pushed back on, which gives us all great hope, you know, that we're Mm -hmm. also in process too. You know, I think of our lives like the Kennedy Expressway, they're forever (laughs) under construction, you know. God is forever perfecting our our thinking. Mm -hmm. And I heard somebody once say, if I knew my theology was wrong, I'd correct it. (laughs) <laughs> and I learned where I have holes in my theology by other people pushing on me, asking questions, challenging me. And the same thing was true of Paul. You know, mm-hmm. he still was working some things out. Mm-hmm. Love to have been a part of those early conversations <laughs> yeah. to wonder what those things were. You posed a really great question, really thought-provoking question in your sermon that I heard yesterday. And it was, um, assuming for the moment that there is a heaven, why do you think you should be admitted? And then you posed that there were three really common answers. One of them was, I tried to be my best Christian because I believe in God and try to do his will and because I believe in God with all of my heart. And then you talked, as you've been saying now, over years and decades, really been developing your faith and that it took you a lot of time to come up with a different answer and how it's God's grace and through that justification. So could you tell us a little bit more about how you walked through that process? In my early 20s, uh, you know, as a young follower of Christ, I, I wanted to do the right thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was constantly thinking about, I've messed up. What do I need to do to make this right? I did not have a good view of grace. I did not mm-hmm. have a clear view, really, of justification by faith. That if I look back, I would have said, you know, I worked hard at this, God. I, I have done everything I can for you to uh, be pleased with me and to find your favor. And it wasn't until some people, some older followers of Christ and some things that I began to read that began to help me understand, I had a very inaccurate view of justification. Mm-hmm. I, I believe saved by grace, had no doubt about mm-hmm. it, but somehow yeah. I thought I had a piece of this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a piece in that I'm earning, I'm a good person, but, but uh, as I said yesterday, the penance piece, the, and, and I said two weeks ago and further, is that I, I really thought I had to work out penance over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until you stop and you go, if justification by faith is right, if it, if it truly is by grace alone, by mm-hmm. faith alone, in Christ alone, I bring nothing to the table. I bring nothing to the table. Yeah. That even if I say, well, you know, I, be- I believe God is great and wonderful, you know, therefore you should accept me. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, that is kind of a, a quirky way of saying I'm bringing something. My faith in God, my faith in you is why you should, mm-hmm. you should uh, mm-hmm. let me enter. And, and people I know will hear that and go, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. But think about it. If I'm still going, it's my faith in you. Look, I, I bring my faith in you versus I don't bring a thing. I don't bring an anything. Mm-hmm. It, it is what first and foremost Christ has first done for me. Yeah. He has done for me, and all I've done is received that gift, that even the faith I have used to engage with that gift, we're told in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, is a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't even bring the faith. So if I go, well, it's my faith in you, there's something I'm boasting in mm-hmm. yeah. versus 
it is in Christ and Christ alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in my early 20s, yeah, it just rocked my world to finally come to a place. If I may, real quick, is a very dear friend of mine brought uh, two statements to me, and he asked me, he said, uh, Jackson, which one do you think is right? Uh, I am made righteous or I'm declared righteous? And I mm-hmm. said to him, I'm made righteous. I think I'm, I'm made righteous, right? I mean, I'm, I'm working at this thing, right? <laughs> and he's the first one ever said to me, show me that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like in the Bible? <laughs> you know, I started thinking about it. I, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. And you go, no, I'm not made righteous. I'm declared righteous. It's really Christ righteousness. That rocked mm-hmm. my world. That really did. That rocked my world. That's great. And I feel like you mentioned in your sermon, and even now, sometimes it's often community and people coming around you to really remind you of that truth. Mm-hmm. And that still happens today. You know, we're sitting here with Trevor, and Trevor and I are good friends. Trevor will say things to me. He'll challenge me. You know, mm-hmm. he'll hear a message, and he'll challenge me on a point or whatever. And it's like, thank you. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. someone else has seen it from a different way. Oh, you know, I need to tweak that. I need to change that. I need to make that clear. Yeah, it's community. You know, you mm-hmm. don't live your faith alone, right? We live it in community, and we need each other. Yeah. In community. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, what else got cut? Oh, s- stories and illustrations. You know, <laughs> Any good stories for us? You know, I felt, you know, you fall in love with some things and then you realize, you know, they're not as clear as you'd hope they'd be or yeah. I need that time. You know, I got to cut down and this, that and the other. So, you know, that goes on the editor's floor. Uh-huh. And really what happens is I'll, I'll move them to another message. I still love that. I'll go find somewhere else to use that, you know. So we'll hear in. some of them next some, time. Someday, yeah, someday. Yeah, yeah. but that's funny. That, that's mm-hmm. I have pages. I, I call it a mind dump. I, I will spend the, the, the week or two before just with ideas and ideas mm-hmm. and ideas and end up, it's interesting, I'll go back and go 90% of it's not used, but it's oh. the process mm-hmm. of stirring me to get to the right place, you mm-hmm. know? But yeah. some of that stuff you read and go, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> or, or sometimes you read and go, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to delete that before anybody else sees it. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we had this question come in this weekend, and uh, yeah, it'd be cool to get your thoughts on it. Um, so here's the question. If Jesus appeared to Saul and changed his unbelieving mind, why won't he appear to all unbelievers today and change their minds as well? Sure, that's a great question. You know, I was there when that question was asked, and, and uh, frankly, I thought you handled this really well. It is, that is the mystery of salvation. Mm-hmm. The, the mystery is, frankly, why would he reveal himself to anyone? Mm-hmm. There's none. If, it, if justification by faith is accurate, meaning it is God seeing my unrighteousness, my sinfulness, my rebellion, and choosing to love me anyway, why does God reveal himself to anyone? Mm-hmm. I, it, and if he uses Abraham as the example of a very righteous man who is not considered righteous before God, mm-hmm. who am I? Mm-hmm. I mean, who am I? So I think the answer really is we do not know. We mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know. There are people in my life that I adore, my wife's family, mm-hmm. who I adore and who are not followers of Christ and we have prayed for and shared with for years, mm-hmm. have yet to respond to the gospel. And, 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 you know, it's like I want to say to God, you owe me. I've worked <laughs> for you for X amount of years. You know, I'm not asking for much. I'm asking for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's at the end of the day, anyone who does believe it is a kindness of God that he reveals it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we also don't give up hope. Mm-hmm. We keep praying, right? Because yeah. God says that, uh, you know, up until the last moment, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, the guy on the cross, I was just reading my devotions today about the guy on the cross who turns to Jesus and said, remember me mm-hmm. when you come into your kingdom, you know, up until the last moment. And so we keep hoping and praying. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I, gosh, Trevor, I don't have a good answer, honestly. It, it is a mystery that I've wrestled with for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm meeting with some guys now, and have been for a couple of years, some guys who aren't followers of Christ which is so life-giving to me. I mean, they're friends of mine now, and we talk about family and work and all kind of other things. And I have prayed for them how many times, right? Mm-hmm. You know, God, please, please give me that magic thing. What is that <laughs> one little thing that if I say it, that'll make all kind of mm-hmm. sense to them. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't always work that way, but I don't know what God is doing. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's like the underside of a tapestry. I don't see all the loose strings, you know. I yeah. just see this side of it. So I don't know what God is doing on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. It is something that we wrestle with and struggle with, uh, but yet we don't lose hope in the midst of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. We know that God desires all people to come to him, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. We know mm-hmm. that. And we know that he imparts faith and he imparts wisdom and discernment. He gives eyes to see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How those all work together, I don't know. It, it, that is part of the mystery of this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But I, I don't want to believe in a God I can figure out, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's not God. If my little mm-hmm. pea brain can figure him out, <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't want that God. I want a God that is mm-hmm. so big that is beyond me that I'm constantly going, huh, when yeah. I think about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So this weekend, I actually had a conversation with a friend on Saturday, and listening to your sermon on Sunday really um, reminded me of this conversation. Basically, this friend had grown up in the Catholic Church, and he was sharing with me how he was really turned off to faith because of the long to-do list that he had, and how he felt like he had his earn his way into heaven. So, how would you explain to someone like this that it's not our works that save us, but to not explain it in a way that makes it seem like we have a free pass to live however we want? Oh, Hillary, I feel like that's the way he interpreted our conversation. <laughs> that's really a good. That is really a good and insightful question. I, I would go back to him and to explain that God extends to us knowing us fully. The, the, the greatest thing about God, and, and I say this a lot because it probably rocks my world, that God knows the very worst about us. He knows the mm-hmm. very worst that I will think and do, not only what I've done, but what I will think and do. Mm-hmm. In the ugliest and darkest moments of my life that nobody else knows, not even my wife knows, no one knows, mm-hmm. God knows, and he says, I know that about you and I love you anyway. Mm-hmm. There is something very freeing about that. So I think I would say to him, I would start with, you know, why are you trying to gain God's favor? What is mm-hmm. it you think is going to happen? And can you tell me how much you need to do? Mm-hmm. Well, he, th- there is no answer, right? Well, I don't know how much I need to do. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But if grace is true, there is a God who knows you completely and fully. And mm-hmm. grace is true that he's going to bestow upon you something you have not done, deserved, you're unwilling and unable, and God acts on your behalf. Mm-hmm. How amazing that is. And that's exactly what Christianity is about. It's the amazing work of the kindness of God through Christ. Mm-hmm. The key thing is to say to him, now what happens is, instead of striving, and we talked about it last night, instead mm-hmm. of striving to gain God's favor, I can now rest in God's favor. And now I do for him, not because I'm seeking to gain his favor, but because I've already fully got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is like my love for my wife. I love my wife, and so I seek to serve her, not to win brownie points, but because <laughs> I have a genuine love for her, and I want to serve her because of my love for her. Mm-hmm. So now with God, going to a homeless shelter, serving on the greeting team, 
sharing money with those in need. Why do I do that? Not because I say, God, hey, notice, notice, put this down for me, (laughs) put this in my resume. Instead, I'm able to go, God, I do this because this is my act of worship. Mm. Yeah. I do it when nobody else knows because it's not to gain your favor, God's favor, anybody else's favor. It's because I so love you. This is my Mm -hmm. worship to you. Mm-hmm. Now that changes motivations. Yeah. And frankly, if the church, if people quit serving out of guilt and penance, <laughs> I wonder how many people would uh, you know how many people would be left. Because the yeah. church is full of people who serve out of guilt and penance, who mm-hmm. need to learn, no, we serve out of our love for God. Mm-hmm. So you go down and, and see the people who are teaching three year olds, which to <laughs> me is a hard age to teach. Yes. But you go in there and you watch the love and the joy that these people have, you know, and Mm -hmm. I stand at the door and I'll look at them and just go, God, thank you. They're here out of worship for you. Mm -hmm. They're here because they they are delighting in who you are and want to bring this love they have for you to these three year olds. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And may we all be like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us this week, Jackson. Fun, fun. And Hillary, next Sunday night, Seahawks going down, baby. We'll see about that. One of the birds will win. That's right. One of the birds will win. Thanks for listening to The Pastor's Cut. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We are taking a break for Advent, but we will have an Advent Devo to help you further dive in. You can text Devo sign up, two words, to 22333 to receive a daily devotional to your email. We hope you'll join us next week as we wrap up Romans chapter 4 and season 2 of The Pastor's Cut.